welcome to another episode of Launch Chat, where we answer your startup questions every single day. I'm your host, Jake Hare. And before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that we're giving a founder a free ticket, hotel, and flight to TechCrunch Disrupt in San Francisco in September. Uh, so if you want to enter the giveaway, head over to launchchat.io. Now, today's question comes from Adam, and it's really about penetrating a market, especially a market that's really saturated. Uh, he, he mentioned an example, so we're going to dive deep into his example. But we worked with a lot of startups at Launchpeer trying to enter their market in really early stages. They're just trying to get like their name out and get their first few customers, uh, which is a very difficult thing to do, especially when you're on a tight budget, which most of the startups we work with are. I mean, really most startups in general are, unless you're in Silicon Valley uh, and you've raised a ton of money, which most of you listening to this probably haven't done that yet or maybe won't do. Um, But when I was thinking about market penetration and getting traction, there's definitely some general rules that you have to keep in mind uh, as a founder, things that really aren't talked about too much, especially on like the major startup publications where uh, they're talking mostly about like that second form of scaling where you're going from like from zero to 10 customers to 10 to 100. And I'm, I'm talking about zero to 10 and 10 to 100, like in terms of scale. So that's not exactly 10, zero to 10 and 10 to 100, but like from getting your first few user, users or customers and making them really, really happy and excited about your product, uh, that's like the first form of getting market penetration and traction. The second one is, I know I have happy customers. I love their, I know they love my product, and now I'm trying to get more people to find out about the product. And so we're gonna talk about both of those steps, uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and let Adam ask his question. Hi, I'm Adam from Florida. And my question is, what did you guys do to actually get into the market? In other words, when you're launching something big, let's say, for example, you're launching a soda, you've got such a large market to get into. What did you specifically do and what were your strategies to actually break into that market, which has such a high entrance barrier? Hey, Adam, thanks for your question. So I'm going to talk about this using the example that you gave, which is soda. Um, and I'm going to talk about like all the different steps that I would take if I was trying to get market penetration and kind of the steps that we take with all of the customers at Launchpeer who were helping launch their product because at Launchpeer, we're not just building web and mobile apps. We're not just doing design. Like if we just did that, you can find that anywhere. What we're really helping our customers with is doing that, but also helping them figure out a really good launch strategy because our success is measured by the success of our customers. And so if we're launching all these products for all these startups and they're going out and not doing anything with the products we built for us, that would just, it just wouldn't mean as much. Uh, and we have a really entrepreneur first approach here at Launchpeer. And so we, we live and breathe that every single day. Um, and so here's some of the things that I've seen that really separate successful, uh, startups in terms of getting market penetration. And the first one is focus. So you want to make sure that you're focused only on your ideal customer. And I talked about this a couple episodes ago where you need to really clearly define who that person is. Give them a name. Like I want you to know what age they are. Like I want I want to know what college they probably went to or if they went to college at all. I want to know what grocery store they shop at whether they go to Starbucks or they make coffee in their house. I want to know what kind of job they're working at, how much money they make. Uh, I want to know what hobbies they have on the weekends. All of these things. Like you can pick a product off the shelf at any grocery store and make some assumptions as to who these people are. If I'm going to the store and I'm picking up a box of LaCroix, 
uh, which I religiously drink way too many. Uh, my wife hates how much LaCroix we go through at home. <laughs> uh, but you can probably glean some things about the kind of person I am, uh, you know, my lifestyle, all these things, because I pick out LaCroix from the shelf instead of going and picking up like a six pack of Coke or going and picking up Dr. Pepper or going and getting uh, like, you know, any of these other drinks that I could possibly get. But like, you can think of me as a certain type of customer when I go get LaCroix. So I want you to close your eyes and do this experiment with me and think like, okay, somebody's grabbing LaCroix off the shelf at Target. Like, what do they look like? And just do that. And what do they do? Like, what's their job? And then I want you to think of the same, uh, the same thing, but with a different soda. So like Coke, like what kind of person is that? What kind of person, uh, like is buying that? And another way that you can kind of tell this is by watching as many ads as you possibly can. Uh, I go to the movie theater a lot and Coke is all over the place and Sprite is all over the place. They have ads that play like video ads and stuff. And you can see in those videos, like what kind of person are they targeting? Sprite has kind of an edgy, like, you know, we're the cool kids drink kind of thing. And then Coke is, uh, oh, everybody feel good about it themselves. Everybody feel good with each other. Like they're just targeting two different types of people. And it's not like those types of people don't drink, you know, don't cross over and like want to drink Sprite, want to drink Coke. It's just that they're going after who their ideal customer is. And as a byproduct, they're getting other types of customers too, too, who maybe fall a little bit in line with you know, there's a little crossover on their preferences or their tastes or things like that. Um, so the first thing is like really clearly define the demographic and the customer that you want to go after. Um, the second thing that you want to do is do a lot of pre-planning before you launch. And by pre-planning, I don't mean like, Oh, we're going to launch in this city and all that stuff. Like by pre-planning, I mean like, I want you to go out and try to get people who are going to be your raving fans before you even launch. So an example of this is we helped an app here in Charleston launch. Uh, it was like an on-demand boat app. And uh, before we decided to launch, about three months before we launched, uh, and we have a, a blog post on our website about this, uh, before they launched, we decided that we wanted to get uh, a Facebook group and a Facebook page set up and get as many people pre-signed up for the application as possible, talking about the app, sending them screenshots, showing them what the app will look like. We even got some of them as beta testers and had them in our office, talked to them about the app, what they wanted the app to do, all of these things, and just try to get as many raving fans as possible. Because we knew that when we launched, we wanted to make some noise in the region, and I'll talk about like launching in a certain area in a minute, but we wanted to get as many fans ready to talk about the product as possible before we started spending a lot of money and time on penetrating the market once the launch happened. There's a lot of pre-work that you should do before you launch. Another way that you can do this is to get customers to prepay. So if you're building like a B2B startup um, or you have any sort of B2B product or you're doing consulting, like go get customers to prepay, uh, get them to sign up, say that, Hey, we're going to give you a really special deal or, um, we're going to give you a special deal for the long term, or because you're signing up now, you got to get it for free or do something to get some people into your network and into your atmosphere that are going to help you spread the word about this product. Once you launch, the other thing that that does is it allows you to get feedback from people and incorporate that feedback. And so for launch peer, we didn't do this soon enough. Uh, because if we had done that, the language on our website definitely would have changed. The, 
the types of testimonials we had on the website would have changed. The, the language we used during the selling process would have changed. We were speaking in our marketing messaging, on our website, on our sales process, what we did, how we did it. We were speaking through our own voice instead of using our customers' voices to do the speaking for us. So we started hearing words that they used to define what Launchpeer was, how we worked, what we did, and started incorporating that into our messaging. And so for you, by getting those early fans or early customers or early beta testers before you even try to do market penetration, you can have all that language, uh, all that messaging set up before you even launch. Uh, the last thing it'll do by doing some pre-planning and doing that kind of pre-planning is it'll dispel any myths that you uh, have about who your ideal customer is. And for us, I think at LaunchPure, I'm actually going to use this a stat that I heard the other day, uh, that the average entrepreneur uh, starting a business is 38 years old. I think most people, when they read TechCrunch or Forbes or some of these other big publications, they just assume like, yeah, the average entrepreneur is like, you know, early twenties, uh, like professional, uh, and goes to startup conferences and wears t-shirts and all that stuff. Like, well, that's not really the case. The, the average entrepreneur is like in their mid to late thirties. Uh, they've started a couple startups before, um, or this is their first startup, but they have a lot of industry experience. And so they're trying to capitalize on that industry experience by building a startup that solves a problem they've seen in their industry. And so that's a really good example of like, don't go into it thinking you know who your ideal customer is until you start validating some of that. And to validate some of that, you want to do some pre-planning before you do market penetration. So you have all that information there ready for you. Um, The last thing is, and, and I'd say this is like arguably the most important thing is I want you to launch small. So when you're trying to get market penetration, you can try to, uh, like, Oh, I'm going to launch in all of the United States at all of these stores and go after all these different types of customers. And instead, what I want you to do is pick one place, like whether that's Charleston or Atlanta or, you know, it could be Los Angeles or it could be New York. Uh, I want you to pick one place and ideally like the smaller the place, the better. And I just want you to launch in that one place first, like, because what that's going to do is that's going to allow you to get that feedback after you launch and it's going to allow you to penetrate the market. Um, the way I just, I, the analogy I use, and if you've listened to this, the last few episodes, you know, I'm a huge fan of analogies. Um, it's kind of like trying launching to the whole market is like holding a stack of 500 pieces of paper in your hand and trying to rip the pieces of paper in half. Could you do it? Yeah. I mean, it's going to take you forever to try to rip all those pages in half, but instead like going after one location, is like taking one piece of paper off the top, ripping it in half, and then taking another piece of paper off the top and ripping it in half. And so by launching small and then spreading out small after that, that's exactly what you're doing. You're taking one piece of paper, ripping it in half, taking one other piece of paper, ripping it in half. And it just makes your job a lot easier. Uh, It's a lot less time consuming and it allows you to focus a lot more on building a product that's great for your ideal customer. Another reason I recommend doing this too is that by building a group of really raving fans about your startup or your product or your business in that one little area is that it allows you to uh, get loud once you're onto something. So a lot of startups launch and they don't really know if they're onto something. The whole definition of a startup is, is that you don't know 
everything yet. Like you're still trying to figure everything out, like your positioning, your messaging, which is why you see a lot of bigger startups still call themselves a startup because they're defining themselves as like, we're still trying to figure this out. Like we're still trying to figure out what features we should build and all this stuff. And there's a lot of argument on like, what exactly is a startup? I think some companies take advantage of the startup term just to look cool. But really at the end of the day, a startup is a company who's still trying to figure out the best way to capture the market. And so because you're doing that by launching small and then not trying to spread out too much until you know you're onto something, it allows you to to do a lot more experiments. It allows you to change your product a little bit. It allows you to incorporate more feedback until you have a great, great product. Um, And so what we did here in Charleston with that startup I mentioned before is we launched to just Charleston and we made some tweaks and adjustments based on people who were using it. We got to see how they used it. We got to make some changes to the application in order to make it better for the people who were using it because we were actually able to see the product in the wild and see how people were using it and the ways they were using it. Um, make some changes. And then we started seeing like, wow, I love this application. We, the people were saying like, oh my God, I wish I had this before. Like all of this stuff we were, was coming in and that's when we knew we were onto something. That's when the founder knew they were onto something. And that's when we decided that, okay, like now we know we're onto something. Now, instead of trying to expand to other you know market segments or different locations and hope that it works, we know it's going to work. All we need to do now is make sure that we have the money in order to go penetrate those markets. And so the last thing I want to talk about here is the money. It costs a lot of money to launch to an entire market and penetrate a market. Uh, which is one of the reasons why startups are usually, even if they don't want to, are forced to launch in a small demographic first. And for the most part, they're doing it in like a big demographic area or a big geographic location near them. So we had a, a, we have a client right now who's in Alabama, they're in Auburn and we recommended to them like, well, maybe you launch in Auburn, but maybe you launch in Atlanta. It's only a couple hours away. It's a much bigger market. Like let's try to penetrate that market instead of trying to go after a really, really small market, which is uh, Auburn. We also thought that his target customers were more likely to be in a big city than they would be in a small city. But, um, what we're planning with him is we're going to launch in Atlanta, get a couple of thousand users using the application, giving you feedback, uh, incorporating that feedback into, into development. And once we do that, then we'll expand. And just to penetrate that one market is not cheap. If you go back and look at Uber's um, first pitch deck and their marketing strategy very early on, they launched in uh, New York and San Francisco. And then they went and raised their Series A. And then they started doing marketing in a lot of different locations because they knew they needed the money not to necessarily build the product, but to pay for salespeople and to pay for the their little... Um, they, had, they would run like... Uh, local, like, oh, become an Uber driver events in different cities. But that costs money to do stuff like that. The founder can't go to all these different cities and do that. So they needed money to do that. Uh, They needed money to build different features on their product that would build virality. But they didn't need that when they were launching in one small area. When they launched in one small area back then, I think it was in San Francisco, they launched in first. The app was ugly. Their branding was terrible. It looked like crap (laughs) and they'll admit this. Um, and then once they figured out like people love this, they've wanted this. Now let's expand to other markets and raise money in order to expand. Investors love giving startups money when it's to fuel the engine, not to build the engine. 
And so your job when you're getting that first bit of market penetration is to show them that you have built the engine, that you can fuel the engine, and that by penetrating that one small market that you can do that, like your startup is capable of penetrating a market. And then all you need to do from there is raise money in order to fuel the engine so you can go penetrate more markets. Okay, so Adam, I hope that that helped and I hope that answered your question. That's it for today's episode. To celebrate the launch of the podcast, we're giving a listener a free ticket to TechCrunch Disrupt, which is this September in San Francisco. To learn more about the giveaway, head over to launchchat.io. And while you're there, you can also post your startup question right on our website. All you have to do is click record, ask your question, and we'll feature you on the show. Remember, if you don't want to miss an episode, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And we'd also love it if you gave us a rating or review. Until next episode, keep grinding. Keep grinding.